0: terry simmons and you're listening to ktbs 3's doc talk the place to be to hear up-to-date informative discussions with top medical providers in the Arklatex. You can download a new episode every other Thursday morning wherever you've listened to podcasts. And with us today is Dr. Katherine Vanderloos, a med spa specialist and gynecologist with 30 years of experience providing individualized services for every patient who enters her practice in Shreveport. Countless reviews from patients both new and established describe Dr. Vanderloos and their experience at her office using words like kind, considerate, empowering. And that's exactly what most women want when discussing today's topic, which is menopause. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Loos. You're Vanderleus. so welcome. Thank you. We are very excited to talk to you about that. You and I have been kind of chatting while we've been setting right. up here. Um, and menopause is a term, it's a condition that we, we throw around a lot that we think we understand. But let's start, While well, I've got you here. <laughs> Re- describe to us really what menopause is in a woman's body.
1: Well, the, the definition of menopause, you haven't arrived until you've not had a, f- a period for 12 months. And oftentimes it's, it takes a while to get to that point. They get to be irregular or um, infrequent, but still there, you know. Um, and then there's so many symptoms that are associated with why aren't you having a period? Well, it's because the ovaries are no longer making estrogen primarily and progesterone and some testosterone. Um, and it doesn't automatically one day the, f- the switch flips, although if you have everything taken out, it's flipped that day, but, but it's one of those, and every person's different, and so there's kind of a time frame when you start to lose, you, you may lose testosterone first, which is very common. It may go down. Now, its male hormone is testosterone, and everyone thinks, well, what is that about? Well, we all have some. It's just not our dominant hormone, and it plays a role, just like estrogen and progesterone. Estrogen is the female hormone, hormone and progesterone is the ovulation hormone. So when people are having uh, to create a period, normally you start from day number one of your period by definition is you have your estrogen to prime or grow the lining and then about 14 days later, ovulation comes along, stops that growth, makes it fluffy and of course ready for pregnancy, which is what the goal is for the whole cycle. And when you're not pregnant, the hormones go down and you have a nice efficient start and stop period. But as things start to wax and wane, you start to have changes and along with that, um, everyone's so different. That's why it's hard to study us. Um, you'll have, you may have hot flashes. You may have sweating. You may turn red. You may not have any of it. Um, those are lucky patients. <laughs> Some can tell the day things go down because they just start to sleep poorly. They may sleep 10 hours and wake up more tired than when went to bed. Um, fatigue emotions change. And we used to think, I, when I first started, I thought most of the, and the correct thinking at the time, or the popular thinking, is it was just sleep deprivation. But in fact, they have nice studies showing the actual decline in estrogen changing their actual brain function. So some people have more anxiety, some have depression, um, there's a fogginess they talk about. And, I, you know, that means, and everything means different things to different people
0: and there are times we might have these symptoms and it might not be menopause so it's time sure. to really pay attention to all of that and come see you and right. say i'm having all this is it menopause so what do you do to diagnose it or really yeah well be it's sure? a big
1: part of it is just talking to the patient yeah and some is creating a timeline of when things happen um, and of course, if the patient usually we think the the range is forty to average age of menopause is fifty one. People sometimes have periods out to fifty five and fifty six. They're not happy. They're not <laughs> no. You can't convince them this is a young thing, you know. Um, and so if it's before forty, it's premature. And we used to use thirty five even. Um, you can have autoimmune thing um, diseases that you know things where your body's attacking your own tissues, and people know that as a attacking. Attacking the thyroid, although some same things can happen to the ovaries. So that's again not very common, but something the patient could be 28 and no period and hot flashes, and you're like, but she's 28, but she is technically menopausal by her symptoms, so you have to figure things out. Now, the other, the the next part is always, you know, as people are transitioning, everybody transitions differently. Mm. Um, And for a long time, unfortunately, you know, in the 1900s, Early 1900s, even, um, we did not make it through pregnancy a lot of times. I mean, lifespans have changed immensely. Um, so now we outlive our ovaries sometimes 30 years. That's a big deal. Wow. For quality of life. So it's created a whole nother field. Um, And, unfortunately, women have been ignored for a long time with a lot of studies. Um, But we're getting there, so we're learning more. We still don't know the actual what causes that hot flash, which is amazing, but they're getting more and more. They've got new receptor studies now that may help us at some point maybe not have to use estrogen. although. I don't know. We'll see when that happens.
0: (laughs) Yes, and speaking (laughs) of those receptor studies we were talking, there has been um, really insufficient, just low data on what happens with the reproductive system with women. And it's been because the funding hasn't been there to research it. So now some investors have coming in. There's a center called, actually, interestingly that you just said that, Mm -hmm. longevity Mm -hmm. and equality studying Mm -hmm. these reproductive systems that we've just have ignored or haven't had the funding to really research.
1: Right. And that's been a a sad thing for a very long time. And so um, I think we're coming of age. We're Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, as long as we get there eventually is the point. But, you know, I think a big part of it is just recognizing that it's a real, a real thing um, and that there are things we could do absolutely
0: and we were talking about how the average is 51 years old and but your client base you're talking about if that was really a true number and again we just don't know because there's so many variables in that then then we we would be seeing a lot of women after 51 and a lot of women before 51
1: right so if you figure the bell-shaped curve 51 is right at the top of the bell shape but um, so that means you should have as many The ones that I'm seeing that are perimenopausal or menopausal should even the number that are still having periods out to 55, and I think it's skewed. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that is patient, um, you know, um, you know. What do you want to say? It's it's just patient reporting. Sure. Because if you're feeling well and oh, okay, it must be the change, and I sleep well, and I'm happy, and life is good everywhere. I mean, you, you know it's not a big deal. And there are many people out there that will be very fortunate to have that, but I think there are also a lot of people out there that have a lot of symptoms that, you know, are just kind of, they brush it to the side or, or people aren't listening or, and it used to be, oh, it's just their anxiety, you know, kind of thing. Well, yeah, you're anxious when you haven't slept for days, you know, it makes a big difference. Yes, which is so true because the symptoms that go with perimenopause or menopause
0: are, can bring you a lot of anxiety. The things that happen, the hot right. flashes, the, the insomnia, the pain, the, every, your body is going through another big change. Well, that's, why it's it's big, change. that's why
1: it's called the change. Yeah. And so, you know, and some And a lot of that is fear of the unknown. Yes. And, and, and unfortunately we haven't known stuff, but I think we've come a long ways. Um, I'm a member of the North American Menopause Society and I, I, I'm delighted to say I signed up when the first Year that they started, and they've been around for more than thirty years now. And you know, at first they they were pretty fringy for me, from compared to what I'd been trained in in hormones. And we just and at that point, people forget we only had one hormone pill. That was it. And and we had one progesterone pill, and we didn't have any other options. I mean, it was probably. Not until the 90s that we had patches and sprays and just different ways of of getting medication, which in fact makes a very big deal because um, the pill form of estrogen goes through your mouth, goes through your gut, goes through your liver, and actually um, you can have increased clotting issues like clots in the legs, which of course can go to the lung. Um, and also, I just think of it as vessel disease, clots in the vessels. Um, and, you can buy, and you can avoid a great deal of that by using transdermal, which is sprays or patches. Um, so that's made a big difference. And so um, now, of course, the other thing is smoking is a big no-no with estrogen. And smoking is terrible. I've told people that forever and everybody knows they'll have a talk and we got to figure out ways. And I'm very appreciative of what an addiction it is. Because my father dealt with it, my mom dealt with it, and me and my father dealt with it. So I appreciate what an addiction it is. But it complicates using hormones, especially estrogen, because it will just raise the risk. And even young women who are smokers and they start using birth control pills to prevent pregnancy, boom, they have a clot in their leg, well, there goes any estrogen use forever. But it raises a lot of other medical issues for them. So. No smoking.
0: No smoking. No smoking.
1: We hear that a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, that smoking comes up in almost every condition that we talk to different doctors about. Mm-hmm. Smoking attributes to so many things, or if you can lessen it, quit if you right. can, so many things in your body clear up.
1: Well, it raises your risk for cancers. Yeah. It does heart disease. I mean, it just affects everything. So. Um, I could appreciate My father passed away seven years ago. He Mm -hmm. was in his 80s. And when he was a a young teenager, that was a big deal. They they had no clue the risk factors. And you know, they're kids and they do it and the marketing was there and I still remember the smoking ads that subsequently were taking off all the advertising um, to get the idea to people that this was a bad thing. So unfortunately we... um, still have it around so we still have to talk about it yeah and sometimes it's younger people and i think they they feel the invincibility so it won't happen to me and if i could take them to a lung cancer ward or things like that i think they would see the real deal
0: yes you're right you bring up a good point i Mm -hmm. grew up the same way where smoking was what you did it was in we just didn't it know it was a social thing it was Sociable. very social mm-hmm. yes on yep. tv bewitched oh you yeah. know she would have the drink and the smoke ready for darren when he came home. exactly my mother smoked <laughs> terryton 100s i'd rather fight than switch <laughs> uh, she was a smoker you know all yeah. her life again mm-hmm. she passed away in her 80s mm-hmm. and uh, but smoking and she just enjoyed it but it was locked in early that we didn't right. know the hazards right now we do now we mm-hmm. don't see those commercials now we don't see that we don't see how cool it is anymore but um, I think, like you said, as far as mm-hmm. menopause and other things we need, that's one of the factors, one of the things we right. can do. Is there anything else that we can do, in, like lifestyle, not to prevent it, but to lessen the symptoms?
1: Well, you know, all the things that they talk about for longevity, for, you know, um, you know, exercise is important, and daily exercise, and that's the one thing that will help brain function as you get older, is exercising. And so I try to encourage people. I try to do it. You know, you get into patterns where you don't do it for a while, like, when we weren't out with COVID, right? but you have to get back into the habit, but it doesn't have to be to the gym and lifting weights, although that's important too, um, but just out and walking, getting the heart rate up. So I'm getting movement, getting, you know, so forth. Now for women, we start to lose bone uh, strength as, because it's very much linked to our hormones. And so um, when I first went into practice, which was a long time ago though, um, I just assumed most of my patients, if they made it to 70, we're going to have fractals. Fractures, hip fractures, back fractures. And the sad thing is, once you have a fracture, you're never the same again. And sometimes you don't get to go home.
0: Wow. You, know, you have right.
1: to go through rehab, and then you realize, well, I can't really function with this. And, but you're, you're, so your life is never the same. So preventing falls, but having good bones is a, is a big deal. And we, used to, we knew for a long time, that was the only thing we had, we knew if you um, went through menopause and didn't do hormones, you would start to have bone loss. And we knew if you were on hormones, you were good. But then when you stopped your hormones, you had bone loss. And so it, when the 2000 initiative about uh, hormones and people would say, why did you why did you use so many hormones? And the answer was, we didn't have anything. We didn't have bone density machines. We had no bone medicines. Um, and that's a huge thing to prevent. Um, and now... Everybody's getting their bone densities, or at least for the most part, um, and it makes a huge difference. And if you can be on your medicine even one year, you've reduced, reduced your risk of fracture by 50%. My goodness. That's a big deal. Yeah. So um, now, um, estrogen has since been replaced with bone medicines. On the yeah. other hand, if I have a patient that's having um, symptoms of menopause of hot flashes that are bothersome, which is when we treat them. Um, and then she also is concerned about her bones. I can reassure her it will help. We still follow her bones. But you can see nice changes. If it's stable where they haven't had it, they go on it. And you can make a big difference for them. Um, so that's, you know, it's a lot of general health. I mean, a lot of, so many things happen, but it's the age group, Mm-hmm. and then you put on another layer of menopause on it. Sometimes it hurries up these, these, these age issues and you know replacing hormones can make a big difference on the other hand if someone's not having bothersome symptoms and i always put that word in there because if it's not bothering her we don't need to do anything and we talk about it every year and yeah i'm having a little this or that and i'll say well is it bothersome is it something we need to do something about or you know are you okay and that's a very individual um choice yeah,
0: and on the, the other side of that scope, if you are suffering with something, you don't have to. Exactly. Because if it is bothersome, you can come and ask about exactly. it. Exactly,
1: and of course, I mentioned the the scare in 2000 about the Women's Health Initiative, which have, was not great science, and people always have to know history when things are presented and so forth, but that was where they, it was all estrogens are bad, nobody should use them. Women, were, women stopped out of total fear yeah that they were doing something bad to cause themselves breast cancer, which was their big concern or causing dementia or causing these things. Um, And then also physicians were afraid to do it too. They wanted to do what was right for the patient. And so some people wouldn't even write hormones. Now in OBGYN world, we continued writing them because we knew how important it was. We were still thoughtful with it. The good news is we have so many more options now that we didn't have at that point. So, um, and then we have the 22-year hindsight, and we have now that show it wasn't that the patients who um, have their uterus and we give them estrogen, we always have to add progesterone back to it. So that protects to keep away uterine cancer. The ones who've had a hysterectomy don't need to do that. And so they were studied for the next 22 years up to now, and it's been shown they actually have less breast cancer than the ones who didn't take anything. Wow. Wasn't the estrogen, it was the progesterone we were trying to do to prevent the other cancer. So we have newer options, mm-hmm. that's important. Mm-hmm. We have IUDs that we actually can use that put progesterone in the uterus. Wow. Um, We have natural progesterone, which we kind of switched everybody over once we had it. Um, In the early days before that initiative came through, though, we actually had to have it compounded, which meant it's it's mixed at a compounding pharmacy, so it was never covered by insurance. And yet now we have it commercially available. So that's made a big difference. We're making progress. We, we are.
0: We are making difference. <laughs> we are. We
1: are. If someone's watching right
0: now, what would you say? And they're thinking,
1: oh, um, and
0: listening, I might have some of these symptoms. I'm still thinking about what they were talking about a second ago. Uh, what is the, first, the age range that someone might think about if they're having
1: Well, a lot of my patients, you're seeing late 40s, early yeah. 50s. You know, because that's when they really start to have a lot of symptoms, and that's that bell-shaped curve group. Mm -hmm. Um, People can be earlier. Things are bothering them. You know, I I always say, we were taught in medical school, is it normal or abnormal? You Mm -hmm. know, and if something seems not normal, it might still be normal, and it's our perception, but at least it's worth looking into. Okay. And so I think if things are changed, and, and the other important thing about menopause is, is at a time when we have so many life changes, our nests are emptying, the kids are leaving home, you know, we're kind of readdressing who we are, you know, we may or may not, it may change our relationships with our partners, and we have partners, we don't have partners kind of thing. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of, All those things go into the soup, and so sometimes you really need some help, and we may use a counselor, we may use a nutritionist, I mean, we use all kinds of people to help figure out. You have to ferret out what seems normal and, and what's bothersome, and are there things we can do? And then you try things. And it may may not be where you end up, but at least you can try things and see what makes a difference. For some people, they can be having all kinds of symptoms. And if I just do a little low-dose hormone replacement, and I always follow people up in three or four weeks, because we're all bad about kind of forgetting about doing things, me, them, you know, kind of thing. So it kind of keeps us on on schedule. And um, is it working great? And sometimes they come in and they're so much better. Now, they may not be perfect yet because it may still take a little while for everything to kind of settle in and correct. On the other hand, if it's totally not better or if they're not feeling well on it, then we find something else we can do.
0: Right, there's mm-hmm. options.
1: There are options. There are options. Yeah,
0: and just that first answer isn't the thing that you stick with. If you Right, just, well, come back. You know, right, this isn't working. Don't be afraid to say that. Exactly, and to really own your own body and what's going on. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to keep asking. That's what right. we're here for. That's right. Yeah. So, Doctor Ventolus, when I think about your your 30 years of experience or so, I don't think about how long you've been doing this. I think about how many women you have helped, how many mm-hmm. women you have talked to. Mm-hmm. Do you see in that span of all this time that we're we're changing as a whole? Are we more? Are are we taking more ownership of our bodies? Are we more educated? Are we paying I think, attention I more? think
1: that's very true. I think the first thing I always think about is, even though it's 30 years, we were already starting to take ownership because my mom would talk about PMS and she said, you didn't tell anybody. You just, they'd lock you up. You were crazy. And she suffered with a lot of things like that, that she just said, no, she just didn't tell anybody, you know, later we talked about them. And of course, I think she probably talked to dad about it, but that was probably the only the only person she talked to about it and then fortunately there wasn't much to do if it was the menopausal symptoms or things like that Um, now I think we're getting smarter and smarter some days I think you know um, We get so smart, we scare ourselves into really worrying about so many things that we won't do anything. You know, you kind of paralyze yourself, and so then you break it down into little bits, little bits and pieces. And you may have five problems, but and we may not be able to tackle them all at once. But if we can start to get one or two, and then come back in three or four weeks and keep working, you know. And I tell people it may take a few months even to get the right combination. Right. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is
0: really just pay attention just, and ask for help because right. the options are out there. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners and our viewers with today about menopause?
1: I think the important thing is to realize it's a state of being that we want that once you're there, yeah, we we really are there <laughs> and we're there for the rest of our lives, but it doesn't mean the abrupt changes we're having will be there, but we can really help people through that. We can help them with their medical care, and there are lots of things we can do if we know ahead, you know, early on. So don't let things go for a long time. Um, You know, talk to your doctor, ask questions. You know, to me, I learn more from the talk to the patient. I always have a pretty good idea before we ever talk about exam. Um, and I can teach people. And I think there's so many resources out there now to, to, that you can get good information. There's been a lot of crazy stuff over the years, but I think there's a lot of places you can get good information now.
0: Yeah. And expect relief. Let it be a relief because this is a natural thing and there's help out there. That's right. All right. Well, Dr. Vanderlust it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, We really appreciate it and hope to talk to you again soon. And thanks for everything that you're doing to help educate us and heal us and and help us move on. All right. Thanks so much. And thank you for joining us for the podcast that brings you dynamic discussions about medical information you can use. Remember, you can download a new episode every other Thursday morning where you listen to podcasts. We'll meet you right here next time on Doc Talk.